Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And we're back. You know, it's been kind of a it's been quite of a kind of a hiatus here. It's been three weeks since our last podcast. Now by standards set by a rival Idaho political podcast, a three-week <laughs> hiatus isn't a big deal, but it is kind of a long hiatus by our standards and feels like, you know, stuff has been happening the past couple of weeks, but really what is happening right now is the run-up to the the 2019 legislative session starting on Monday and kind of getting a sense this week of what the tone might be, what the agenda might look like. You know, let's let's talk about that and we'll talk about where we were on Thursday and kind of the signals that we were hearing at the state house as the session gets ready to, to launch. Well, how about you start, Kevin, with the story that you worked on, um, a perspective from Governor-elect Brad Little. He met with state house reporters at the annual AP legislative preview. I ducked down there for a few minutes and caught it, but you followed it closely and wrote about it. Um, today, as we record this, Friday, June 4th, is Inauguration Day. We have a new governor with Governor Little. Um, what was your takeaway uh, from his sort of session preview, uh, you know, kind of, you know, setting the tone for the right. state of the state and the session and all that. What, what was your takeaway from what we might be in for well, this year? Well, let's preface it with the way these things always kind of go yeah. down. <laughs> and we've covered several of these over the years, both of us. The governor, or in this case, the governor-elect meets with the state house reporting corps for an hour and sort of kind of maybe to some degree sets the, the tone or foreshadows what's going to be discussed in the State of the State Address the following Monday, what's going to maybe be included or not included in the budget proposal that also comes out the, the following Monday. So it's always kind of this this tug of war between yeah. the chief executive officer and the reporters. We're trying to get more details and trying to get more signals of what to expect. And the uh, governor, or in this case, governor-elect Little, tries to keep you know, tries to keep some of the, you know, the mystery intact right. heading into the state of the state address, not not wanting to upstage uh, the actual address to the state and to legislators. And that was no exception. That, that was what we heard repeatedly from Governor-elect Little on Thursday. Stay tuned was something he kept saying in response to a lot of different questions yeah. on a lot of topics. But you can kind of gauge maybe a sense of the mood and maybe the mindset. And, and I guess my takeaway, the more I think about it, a day after, Governor-elect Little did not sound like somebody who was going to come out of the gates on Monday with a bold, sweeping, far-reaching agenda for 2019. That, that, may, that may change, and we may be uh, talking about something entirely different next week in the podcast, but my, my sense hearing him is kind of the, the sense of caution that I think we're starting to pick up around the state house concerns about uh, the revenue stream, the revenue flow, and, and you know much more about that because you've been listening to that more closely. When when Little talked about a pet issue of his and a pet issue of uh, of a lot of folks at the state house, I think this is revealing. Yeah, the, the grocery tax, the repeal of the grocery tax, something he ran on in the 2018 election suggested we may not be able to do that this year. You know, suggested you know, that he's not going to push to repeal the sales tax on groceries, which I think has about an $80 million a year price tag. 
doesn't want to do that if it's going to interfere with funding education and funding right. the recommendations out of uh, Butch Otter's education task force, namely year five of the career ladder, which would cost more than $50 million. So the sense you're getting from Little is he'd still like to repeal the grocery tax. And I know there's still a lot of support around the state house for trying to do that again, you know, two years after, you know, the, so close. the, the veto, uh, you know, delivered by Governor Otter back in 2017. I think there's still a lot of uh, support for the idea of repealing that grocery tax. But sense you get from little is this may not be the year for it. And legislative leaders kind of piggybacked on that later in the morning and, and sort of expressed a, a similar tone. When I asked little about the school funding formula and the rewrite of the funding formula, he said, yes, this is kind of a zero-sum game. If you're taking money and giving it to one district or one charter, you are going to be taking away from another district or charter. And as he talked about, if you're doing that, if this is a zero-sum game and you're having to maybe put some money into the system to help the schools that are going to lose money in the short term, you're putting you know that hold harmless money that we've talked about over and over here, you start talking about tens of million dollars for that. Little said you've got to weigh that against other needs in the education system. So not exactly sounding outright opposed to the idea of redoing the funding no. formula, but not sounding like this is something we have to do this year. We have the money to do it. We have the opportunity to do it. Let's dive in. Again, I could be wrong. We could hear a very different tone when Little takes the, the podium on Monday. But you know, if I'm kind of reading the... the the signals that we got on Thursday, this may be kind of a stay the course approach to a lot of things, because as you mentioned, that Medicaid expansion issue is, is looming large and, and something that they're going to have to address in some form. And, and Little talked about that at great length. And, and, and Governor Brad Little may be slow playing his hand. We, like you said, we may be surprised on Monday and he may push out this bold agenda, but it did sort of seem like a little cautious approach, but it's sort of like almost like priority wise, and, and Brad Little did not say this, and, and, but I'm kind of inferring here that maybe the funding formula would be in line behind the career ladder and the voter-endorsed Medicaid expansion, uh, somewhere behind those priorities, maybe. Uh, he didn't say as much, but it, it, it certainly, the way he talked about the other two things versus the way he talked about the funding formula rewrite, which is big and it affects the state's largest general fund expense every year. We've talked about it all summer and really for the last two and a half years. Um, and that concern over the winners and losers isn't new and it isn't going away. No, it, it's not. And you know, it was interesting that that was the way Little couched it as opposed to, do we do this? Do we keep schools whole? Do we do the re rewriting of the funding formula as opposed to other things in education? I think it was pretty clear from Little on Thursday that uh, year five of the career ladder is a big deal to him. Yeah. Uh, teacher pay is a big deal to him. Mm -hmm. This is something he ran on. It's a lot like the grocery tax repeal. And he'd like he to see teacher pay this. minimums even higher. He would like to, to get 40, the minimum 000. salary to 40000 That would be an increase of about 4000 a year from where the minimum sits right now. That costs millions, uh, of, that costs millions <laughs> of dollars. Year five of the career ladder alone costs... Uh, $52 million. And that does not get you to that $40,000 minimum, no. by the way. So you'd be putting more money to get there uh, on top of year five of the career ladder. So the kind of teacher pay increases that Little seems to be pushing for, uh, those are pretty spendy. And, you know, he was pretty clear that 
teacher salaries, teacher pay raises uh, are a higher priority right now for him than even repealing the grocery tax. Yeah. So, so you know, there was a lot of uh, you know, deferring and deflecting questions like we always get in these, mm-hmm. but there, there were enough hints uh, dropped on Thursday that you start to get a, a sense, a skeletal sense maybe of uh, where where the state of the state is going to uh, come down come Monday. So what, what are you going to be looking for? I know we'll obviously be following education issues. What are you going to be looking for in the governor's speech on Monday? I know he's going to want to come out and have a strong speech. Uh, his first term, his first speech uh, really set the stage. Um, it, it, what are you going to be looking for? Uh, not predicting-wise, but what are, you, what, what are you going to be looking for and what questions will you have? And I think in the speech and also in the budget proposal, I'll be really curious to see uh, what sort of uh, plan does he put in place in terms of, of teacher salaries. Because mm-hmm. it's not just your five of the career ladder. Now we have to start talk about the master teacher premiums mm-hmm. and funding that and what that may cost. And if they don't put a cap on that, I mean, that could also get interesting. Um, And, you know, does Little try to put more money into teacher pay over and above year five of the career ladder? Uh, Sherry Barra has has recommended adding some money into the salary pool, and you would have to add money into the salary pool to get that minimum salary up to the $40,000 mark that that Little has talked about. So I'm going to want to see what kind of money does he propose putting into teacher pay raises. I'll be curious to see exactly what sort of a price tag uh, Little affixes to the Medicaid expansion because that's going to dictate a lot of decisions about the budget in general. But I'll also be curious now to see what he does in terms of early education. And this was one of those issues that he deflected on Thursday. Uh, Little has run on the idea of trying to set up some sort of a, more like a block grant program, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better way to describe it, where schools could take the money, they could use it for pre-K, they could use it for all-day kindergarten, uh, they could use it to add reading teachers. Uh, Any approach that districts kind of want to take to improve reading scores and get third graders reading at grade level. You know, I've wondered, is this going to be a year where you have early education, where you have pre-K mentioned in a state-of-the-state address? Well, maybe, but I'll also be curious to see if uh, there's any money attached to the start of an early education pre-K kind of block grant program. So those are a couple of things I'm going to be looking for. One thing I'm going to be looking for is to see whether the new governor mentions school security uh, yeah. or mm-hmm. weighs in on Superintendent Ibarra's uh, KISS plan, the Keep Idaho Students Safe for School Security plan that she laid out sort of in name at the very end of the 2018 legislative session and then fleshed out um, some of the de- details over the course of a little bit of a rocky rollout over the uh, spring, summer, and fall I have not heard anybody talk at all about the KISS initiative or any funding for it in the last couple of weeks, really since the election. I know the State Department of Education has had some webinars about it and some outreach, but I have not heard legislators talk about it. I have not heard the governor-elect talk about it. Superintendent Ibarra is planning to come and ask for a supplemental funding request, Mm -hmm. something on the order of $20 million for the school security grants for every school uh, or district or charter Um, And so what she's, by making it supplemental, what she's literally attempting to do is have lawmakers reopen the current year's budget, which was set and finalized and approved at the end of the last legislative session. She's asking for that to be reopened and have a supplemental influx of about $20 million in to launch her school security plan. I have not heard any lawmakers talking 
about doing that. And, um, that, and that could make it a difficult proposition. That may make it a harder sell at, at the state house because you're asking for money right now. You're asking for it in the current year's budget, $20 million that wasn't funded back in March when the legislature set this current Which year is budget. the traditional way right, you do right. that. There's timelines and deadlines. And the reason we set the budget uh, in March is so that it will be finalized before the new fiscal year begins. And so it's not quite turning in your homework late and asking for full credit, but it feels a, the timing is not traditional by any sense. And that it's not illegal. There's nothing preventing her from requesting it. There are supplemental requests uh, from time to time, but, but that does not mean the legislature has to act on that at all. The timing on this whole school security rollout has been kind of odd from the There's beginning. never I mean, been a legislative it, hearing on it. And no, so no legislative hearing. To ramp was... up to where we would open the state coffers to the tune of $20 million when there's never been a hearing on this thing. It may be, maybe they're really working it uh, behind the scenes and have sponsors lined up and this coalition of support. And, and, and maybe I'm just naive to that, but, but I don't know. Um, and when there are serious concerns right now about yeah. cash flow coming into state coffers in this current budget year, which really dovetails into where, where you were spending next, Thursday yeah. and where you're going to be spending some of your time next week. The legislature doesn't officially open for business uh, full scale until Monday, but legislators are already meeting and really important meetings right now to sort of get the temperature of the economy, get a sense of what sort of cash flow is coming in in terms of tax collections. You spent uh, most of Thursday morning listening to that. What's the mood? It's... It was mixed, and, and there's a sense of caution. I was out at the uh, the Joint Economic Outlook and Revenue Assessment Committee. That that was sort of the first real legislative meeting of the year. It really uh, starts getting us moving towards the budget setting process. And so we've got uh, this committee of House and Senate members, some high-ranking lawmakers, a lot of JFAC members in that group, and they're going to come up with next week a revenue target, basically an amount of money that they feel the state could budget towards, and they'll recommend that uh, to the legislature uh, as early as, as next week. Um, but here's the problem, and, and we've known about this for a couple months now, but state revenues are lagging projections by $63 million. And the reason is, is because of the income tax collections. We cut individual income in, taxes. Individual income taxes. And we cut that rate uh, last year, the legislature did, and there's some concern about maybe it just has to do with the holding withholding tables, and maybe Idahoans uh, aren't having enough money held out of their paycheck every week, and that that revenue source will rebound after tax day come April 15th if a bunch of Idahoans owe a tax day. That's sort of one working theory. Yeah, um, the, the best case scenario here is that that is the best you, case scenario. That, that Idahoans are going to get a rude awakening in the next few weeks when they fill out their tax forms and realize that they owe more money to the to the state than they realize and have to cough it up. But that is know. the that is the best case scenario. And revenues are not just lagging projections; they're lagging behind where they were at this exact point one year ago by more than twenty million dollars. Yeah. And so, there's absolutely a concern. Some lawmakers do believe that the money could come back after tax day. But it's a theory, and lawmakers won't have the luxury of waiting until after April 15th uh, to set the state budget. And obviously, there's an Idaho constitutional provision that they can't spend more than they take in in revenue. And so I did two articles this week talking about the sense of caution that lawmakers have. 
Um, you know, overall, the report on the economy um, was pretty good. We heard from the state's chief economist. We heard from legislative budget analysts. And there are a lot of good news uh, to go around. Unemployment rates in Idaho and nationally are low. Idaho wages are up and projected to increase. Non-farm personal income in Idaho is up. Our population continues to increase in Idaho. The two other major revenue sources, the sales tax and the property tax receipts, are up. But the personal income tax, the individual income tax, is down. And some economists are predicting not a recession, but an economic slowdown Mm -hmm. over the next couple of years. And these are the kinds of things that, in a conservative legislative environment, when legislators see these warnings about the new about the revenue receipts, and then hear these warnings that you know maybe things are going to slow down a little bit. There's obviously a lot of uncertainty in the stock market right now, although you don't want to get caught up in the day-to-day fluctuations there because it can just be a nightmare. But there are some signs that maybe this is going to be a caution year, not just on the policy side but on the spending side. And I think that will be interesting. It's a really Things are going to change. We're going to have new revenue projections, new economic data come Monday uh, when Governor Little releases his budget request. So maybe maybe it will rebound in December. We don't know. Um, we'll know a little bit more next week. But what we do know is right now that the state's projected ending balance for the current budget year is less than it was when lawmakers left at the end of the 2018 less session. Less cushion, which affects what would be available for something like uh, Sharia Bar's school safety plan. Right. Um, less of a cushion. And we do know that all the state agencies cumulatively are requesting a 10.3% spending increase in the next year's budget, which yeah. is the budget that lawmakers are Good about luck. to set. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not going to happen. Um, the revenue is not there. If you applied the five-year rolling revenue average, there would not be enough money to fund everything on that spending wish list, on those budget requests. And so uh, Paul Headley, the legislative services budget analyst who works a lot on school budgets, uh, told the Economic Outlook and Revenue Assessment Committee that if we funded all of those things and hypothetically plugged in that five-year revenue average, we'd actually be upside down by $58 million dollars. Yeah, um, and, 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 you know. So something's going to have to give. And so Paul said, lawmakers have two choices. They can address this on the revenue side of things, uh, or they can address it on the spending side of things. And I will bet you all the money in my wallet which way they go. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> even in a predictable year, even in a year where the economy is humming along and it's predictable and it's strong and the tax collections are coming in as expected— even in those kind of you know best case uh, situations, this is a legislature that tends to be pretty conservative yeah. when it sets these revenue targets and when it in turn spends money. You know, governors and legislators over and over to the point where it's almost like a mantra will say, "Look, we'd much rather budget low, spend low, and have more money than we expected, and put it into reserves. We'd much rather do that than over." promise, over-appropriate, and then have to come back in the new budget year and have to make cuts in the middle of the year. Uh, Which is, we've seen that, and that's ugly, and and it's horrible. We've seen it. We had a lot of that during the the Great Recession a few years ago, and there are enough legislators who were there uh, in in those lean years and know what a a tough process that is to go through. So I, I think that it's going to be a very... I suspect it's going to be a very conservative approach to spending because, you know, not to belabor this point on the personal income tax collections and the timing of it. Yes, we'll get December numbers 
on Monday and we'll get a sense of whether this trend on the personal income tax collections continued in December. But that's December. April April's is the, the big, big month. month in terms of personal income tax collections. And, and you all know why that's the month and when most of us or many of us uh, submit our tax forms to, to the state. And if we owe, that's when we pay. Yeah. So April is going to tell the tale. The problem is April is going to tell the tale after legislators are likely to have, have finished the work on the budget for 2019, 2020. So, yeah, it's it's. You know, this is not maybe what Brad Little was envisioning no, no. when he ran for governor and when he, you know, when he was hoping to take over as governor. He, yeah, he inherits you know, a, a difficult situation because it's such a volatile situation. It, it would be even a simpler situation if all the tax revenues were low and you knew that you had a really tough year ahead and you really did have to, you know, do some belt tightening or, you know, hold the line on spending. That's in some ways simpler because it's more yeah. clear what the you know what the landscape is right now the, the landscape on these uh, revenues and on these tax collections is anything but clear and in the absence of clarity i think lawmakers and the governor are probably gonna be pretty conservative and, and yeah and I totally understand that and, and just to be clear uh, senator grant burgoyne asked about this thursday and, and so i'll just mention it here he said what if the revenues do come in uh, stronger than we thought, and, and, and they're lagging behind. What if people have to get on payment plans and they're paying the state uh, into uh, July, August, September? If the revenue doesn't come in during the current budget year, they cannot retroactively throw it back into uh, the budget. The revenue comes in when it comes in, and that's the year that it's attached to. Um, and, and so we won't likely have this clarity when it comes time to set the budget. And if it seems a little bit weird, why are we talking about state revenue and income tax receipts and things like that? The reason that we follow this so closely is because education spending is the largest general fund expense in the state of Idaho every year, right? K-12 schools account for like 48% of all general fund budget spending. When you throw in higher education, you're looking at more than 60%. Uh, of, of the state budget. And so that's why we follow the budget hearings. That's why we follow revenue receipts. You know, at first it seems a little weird. You know, what does this have to do with education? Why are you guys uh, giving me a math lesson here the first week of January? We were told there was not going to be math, but there but is math. It could, it could be very important. And and I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to ring the alarm bells. And the economists who were speaking Thursday were not ringing alarm bells anyways. Uh, far from it. They did not say we think there's a recession coming. Right. We do not think... The economy is going to go negative. In fact, they think that unemployment rates will continue to remain low. We're basically at full employment, um, but they think a slowdown. That, that, that maybe we can't sustain the pace that we're currently at. Maybe a couple of things will right. slow down. Maybe revenue will will plateau or, or, or slow down just a little bit. Or maybe there's a little bit of caution. They're not saying head for the hills and and, and ring the alarm bells. And I'm not trying to say that either. I'm just saying. It's important to pay attention, and this might breed some caution in budget circles, which could squeeze everybody's spending wish list on education. That's why we're talking because about it. Because so much of this budget is already spoken for when yeah. you really get right down to it. A lot of it is required spending in yeah. terms of statute. It's uh, maintenance of what's already being spent. You know, the terminology is maintenance of current operations. Yeah. And then you layer into that uh, items that aren't necessarily... Uh, you know, statutorily required, but they are kind of implied that they're going to happen, like your five of the career letter. I mean, this has been a five-year commitment that the legislature has made. It's not set in statute that it has to happen, 
but legislators have spent on the first four years of the career ladder. So it would be a major departure uh, for legislators to not fund year five of the career ladder. And nobody's really talking about, no, no, hey, no. we've got to do that. But that's a $50 million chunk of money that is, you know, it, it, that alone it's could not eat up. required, but it is implied that that's going to happen. If uh, you fund that, which they want to, if you fund that, there's very little other money, new money, to go around, period. And you fund the Medicaid expansion, which is right now statutorily required because voters did pass Medicaid and that, expansion. That was a mandate. And it is the law of the state. And like I say, I'll be curious to see what sort of price tag Little attaches to Medicaid expansion, how much his budget people say this is going to cost when you factor in all of the the changes within mm-hmm. state spending because of the Medicaid expansion. Dude, those two things alone, there's just yes, not there's a lot, lot of other left. money to to go around. So um, things like school security, things like um, funding the the fluctuations that would come with the change in the funding formula. The whole harmless. Formula. Anything that you may want to try to do in terms of a launch on early education. Those are, none of those are required right now. None of those are, you know, locked into this budget, locked into the state's plan for spending. So, you know, those are all kind of queuing up and trying to get at what could be a very small chunk of disposable income. Yep. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be fun. Um, it'll be interesting. We will be there as, as we have the last several years. We'll be at every uh, big education committee meeting in the legislature. We'll be at all the big budget hearings, and we're going to be covering – uh, the State of the State Address Monday. So just real quick before we sign off, let's let people know what you're going to be up to Monday and if they're interested in following our coverage or watching uh, Governor Little's uh, first address live, uh, let's just let people know what you'll be up to Monday and how they can watch the speech and then what our coverage plans are. Yes, we will both be writing about the State of the State and the budget proposal. Uh, Clark, you'll be at the State House. Uh, I'll be writing about it as well. We'll kind of get get a sense of what's in that budget, what's in that state of the state. Uh, so we'll have two stories on Monday. I'm also going to be on uh, Idaho Public Television for coverage of the state of the state. So you can watch the state of the state and we'll do some analysis after the speech. That's at one o'clock uh, mountain time, yep. noon yep. Uh, Pacific time on Idaho Public Television. So that's a, a place to watch the speech for yourself and see what... Uh, Governor Little has to say in his first state of the state, and we'll uh, we'll break it down on public TV, but we'll also break it down here at idahoednews.org. And that's kind of where the session begins uh, on Monday. And as you mentioned, the uh, revenue outlook work will wrap up probably next week. We'll we'll get a number from that committee. Uh You'll be following that process. Don't expect a whole lot else of, of, of huge import coming out of the legislature the first week. Uh, we may get some organizational meetings yep. in the education committees, maybe an organizational meeting in the budget committee. I And the first thing we'll get into... a lot that happens yeah. right away. It, it takes time for things to work through the, the Yeah, the, the machine has to ramp up for sure. And and just as always, the, the first things that we'll deal with before we get a lot of the budget coming together and a lot of, of, of new bills and laws, first thing we'll have to deal with every year right out of the gate, not necessarily right out of the gate, but first, is, is the administrative rules. And, and that process takes a little, a little while. Uh, and some of those uh, are more routine and sort of annual, you know, pro forma type of a thing. But some of, some very important policy uh, changes 
uh, having to do with assessment and standards have come out of uh, rules before. The science standards debate that went on for, was that 17 years that I covered that? Uh, that it was, was three, but it felt like 17. It, that came in the form of an administrative yes. rule. And so it, it we is don't important. don't anticipate a rule as complicated or as controversial as science standards. But, but, but some, of them, very some, them some of them are very important and, and have serious changes. And Other are of them are more just like conformity with, uh, with other things. But that'll be first. Then we'll get into some of the bills and, and some of the laws, and then the budget will come together uh, towards the end of the session and really drive the length of the session. But uh, we'll, we'll be there all day, every day, and you can continue to follow um, all the entire conversation about education and education funding every day at IdahoEdNews.org and on our Twitter account, at IdahoEdNews. That's where we break uh, a lot of our stories and live tweet uh, the big meeting. So be sure and check us out there and give us a follow um, starting Monday, it, it's going to be a busy day on Monday and then busy next three months or so. Lot, lots of big issues, not, lots of new faces in state government, in, in key positions at the state house. So it's going to be a very interesting session. For Looking sure. forward to it. Yeah. Uh, thanks, as always, for joining us on the Extra Credit Podcast. Uh, we're excited to be back in 2019. Uh, we'll be back every Friday breaking down kind of this intersection of education policy and education politics. No more three-week hiatus. No more three-week hiatus. At least not for now, anyway. (laughs) Maybe next holiday season. All right. Thanks so much for joining us this week. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.